0: Welcome to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio
2: drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. with that intro music from Sharon B, it could only be Mutual Presents. I'm Jack Ward, and this week we look into the spooky side of the Mutual Audio Network YouTube. As every Tuesday Terror, we release another of the classic tales from the Mutual Broadcasting System. Today it's a double horror feature with nothing behind the door, and I have been looking for you. So let's wind those clocks back and get started. Be sure to subscribe to the Mutual YouTube channel for more great old time radio shows,
1: as well as upcoming MadCon videos from our sessions this year.
2: Mutual Broadcasting System presents the first of a series of new and unusual dramatic programs, written and directed by Willis Cooper and featuring Ernest Chappell. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Like 5,800 feet above sea level. A little house, maybe 20 feet long, 15 feet wide. It's made of corrugated iron sheets with a high peaked roof. It sort of hangs over the edge of the mountaintop, top with nothing but the spikes of pine trees stretching all the way down to Pasadena better than a mile below you. <laughs> do you ever get out to California? Well, if you do, go up there sometime and take a look at that little house. But look at it through the fence that surrounds it. That's far enough. You go off Foothill Boulevard toward Pasadena, but you turn off on Angeles Crest Highway at La Canada. Just keep on driving up here. When you get there, just keep right on going. The top of Mount Wilson is the end of the highway. You ever look through a big telescope? At the sky at night? At the things up there? Things so far away, you sprain your brain just trying to imagine how far away they are. With nothing between you and them? Billions and billions of miles of nothing? I don't know what it does to you, but brother, I freeze. Listen, do you know there are holes in the sky? No, I mean it. I've seen them. There's a thing in the constellation Andromeda. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. I'm not going to get technical with you. Just listen. There's this thing, astronomers call it the Horsehead Nebula. You know what it is? It's a hole. It's a great big patch of nothing. Just... Nothing. There aren't any stars there. There's just a hole. No, nobody knows anything about it. Astronomers look at it. They take pictures of it. And there it stays. There it is now and tomorrow and the next day. And a million years from now. And it's been there always. Yes, it has It's so far away that what you see now is the way it looked a billion years ago. Before there was anybody to see it, friend. And there's lots more of those places. So what's all this got to do with a little house up on top, Mount Wilson? I'll tell you. this was quite some time ago. I'd been living in California State for several years. I had a couple of bucks. Had a nice little place near Van That was before the valley got to be so popular with movie people, radio comics, people like that. And it wasn't bad living alone, waking up in the middle of the night hearing the Southern Pacific Lark whistle for a crossing out around Chatsworth. Listening to a dog howling way out across the valley. Going back to I don't get back to sleep so easy these days. Well, these people from Cleveland were out there. Aldo Minucci and Hugh Grant. We used to be great friends, Aldo and Hugh and I. So nothing would do but they'd come to stay with me. Well, it was all right. I had a Dodge convertible. The boys got quite a kick out of California. That's how we came to go up to Mount Wilson that day. Aldo and Hugh had been, uh, you know, uh, looking around for odd places. They had some ideas... So one day we were having breakfast and they were looking at an automobile club bulletin. Aldo said, let's go to Mount Wilton. So we did. So we did. I've been up there once before. You know how it is in California. I knew everything. But I thought I knew everything. I found out different. We were inside the big dome where the 100-inch telescope is. It's like being inside a... Giants, watch. The telescope is in the middle, a big spidery framework with the ladders climbing all over it up under this dome. The tourists stand on the kind of a catwalk around the edge while the astronomer explains as much as he thinks the apple knuckles will understand. There were just a few of us that day standing close to a little kind of pulpit listening with our mouths open. Yeah, it is like a pulpit. I got to thinking that day how the astronomer looked like a priest up there. Nice old, white-haired fellow, like a priest. And I was thinking he was talking about the heavens, too. I'd seen it all before, but my mouth was as wide open as Hughes and Aldo's. And the earth is moving through space, too. It moves around the sun at the rate of about 18 and a half miles per second. So therefore, you see, we must, in order to keep this telescope focused actively on the celestial object we are observing, neutralize those motors, mechanically. The telescope itself, as you will observe, is controllable in any direction by this motor. it's Notice the motion of the telescope. And the final movement the rotation of the entire dome exactly synchronized with the speed of the Earth through space. Watch through the shutters above the space. Look at... Look at Ross. Yeah, I see. Look outside. We... We ain't moving. The sky's gone by. Look at you. I see it. It's an optical illusion, Aldo. No, it's not an optical illusion. In relation to space, this spot we are on is standing still. Through these motions here in the dome, the mirror of the telescope he is kept aimed exactly at one spot far out in space. What space, mister? It's... nothing. What about the air? you are a few miles of air, my friend, and then... nothing. Perfect. Oh, stars. Yes, stars. And the places where there are no stars. My skin twitched a little when he said that. The places where there are no stars. Did yours? Well, the show was over. We went outside into the sunlight. We walked across the long wooden bridge... There's a deep gully in front of the dome. And down a little path past the thing they call a celostat. A small dome on legs about 100 feet high. Then they studied the sun and sunspots and things like that with. It was quiet up there along toward the middle of the afternoon. There was a chill in the air. We were just talking. It's an odd place and you get kind of impressed. The people impress you. The astronomers. They live up there all by themselves. They look at the sky and they see things. You always get the feeling they know a lot more than they're telling. Like uh, doctors. Like priests, I guess. Oh, I said that, didn't I? Well, that's what they like. The path leads through the woods. Biggest live oaks you ever saw leads through the woods over to the old hotel. So I said, hey, how about a beer before we start down, huh? A beer. That's for me. Can't get hard liquor up here, Ross? No, I don't think so. Anyway, I wouldn't want to drink, not with all that mountain road ahead of me. No, sir, don't take no drink, Ross. I don't want to ride that road with nobody's had to drink a liquor. Maybe you shouldn't have a beer, even. Know, wait a minute, beer won't hurt me. Hey, what's this fence for? Huh? Yeah, I never noticed that before. That's quite a fence. Have a hard time getting over that. What would you want to get over it for? I don't know. What do you suppose is on the other side where they got this heavy fence? I don't see anything up that little house out there and still. Yeah, funny-looking place. Fence goes right around it. Ain't there a gate? No, come on. Let's get a beer. No, I want to look at this, Ross. Probably they got something valuable in there. Sure, scientific instruments or something. This place is all full of that stuff. Hey, look. Sign. Huh? Where? Here. Oh, come on. Oh, wait. What's it say? The public is forbidden to pass beyond this fence under severe penalty. At all? Yeah. Well, what do you suppose they got in that place? I oh, don't know. I don't care. Yeah, there's a door up at the end of that trestle. Maybe we could get back and get into that other shed where the trestle starts, huh? What do you want to go in there for? Oh, come on, we got to get going. I'm just curious. You know what I mean. The place might come in handy. Oh, yeah. See? Especially if they keep everybody out like this. the thing must be full of stuff, you like Ross said, scientific stuff. Yeah, might be, might not be. Hey, here comes that fellow that made the spiel up there. Well, ask him. He'd know. He won't tell you. Well, we'll find out. Hey, fella, How are you? Hey. Were you talking to me? Yeah. What's in that funny-looking building? Over there? Nothing. Yeah? What's the idea to fence, then? You don't want people to go in there. I'd sure like to see what's in it said there's nothing in there. You sure, Mr. Yes, I'm absolutely sure. Could we get a pass to go in there, maybe? No. You saw the sign, didn't you? I said something about the penalty of the law. You didn't read it very carefully. He didn't read it. I did. Read it again. Wait. The public forbidden to pass beyond this fence under severe penalty. I see what he means. He didn't say anything about the law. Ah, oh, that's right. Well, then, there are other tunnels. Ah. Stop line, huh? No, not at all. Well, what does it mean, then? I'll give you a little friendly advice. I wouldn't try to find out if I were you. Oh, is that so? Yes. Do you really know what's in there, mister? Yes. What? Okay, lads. Let's, let's go get that beer. Well, of course, you know what was up your way ahead of me. My Cleveland pals weren't in California just for a vacation. There was a bank I'd had my eye on for a while out in Pacific Palisade. It wasn't the first bank that Manucci and Hugh Grant and I had worked a deal on. I didn't go much for this place up on Mount Wilson with nothing in it and a fence around it. Aldo and Hugh, well, after all, could you find a better place to stash away some dough? Nobody could get in, they said. And if we could. Well, so I bought the idea finally. And to make a long story short, we took, I think it was $53,000 out of the bank. 53 54 now, what's the difference? All gone now. <laughs> It's a long drive from Pacific Palisades over Sunset Boulevard, then up Beverly Glen to the Valley, through to Sunland, down past the Sanitarium on Porter Boulevard to where you turn off on the Angeles Crest Highway. It's a long drive, especially at one o'clock in the morning, that was when we pulled out of Pacific Palisades. It was summer. Yet, uh, after you turn on the mountain road, you're not allowed to smoke. You see, a fire warden might come along, and those guys can tell somebody's smoking in the car a half mile off. They show you in the can for it, forest fires. Well, we didn't want anybody stopping us. It was risky enough anyway, because practically nobody ever drives up there late at night. or early in the morning, I mean. Well, we didn't meet anybody. All three of us were jittery with no cigarettes. That road. Stuffing up in daylight. Oh, in the dark. It was half past four when we got to the top. The hotel was dark. Cabins were dark. But the sky was just like solid stars. Why you could put in your reach up and touch it. I remember the old guy in the hundred-inch dome. Nothing between us and the stars. And down below, and if you've ever been up there at night, you know what I mean. Just like looking down at stars, the lights are 17, 18, 19 pounds, Pasadena, Los Angeles, Hollywood, Venice, San Fernando, Culver City, Santa Monica. Well, it makes my hair stand on him when I think of it, and I haven't seen it for, well, never mind how many years. Well, we stumbled through the off the path three times, nearly fell down still. And brother, that'd be a fall. He still couldn't risk a cigarette. It was dark. Hugh Grant was in front, then me, Ronaldo. We each had recases. Hugh had a pair of those big spring wire cutters that would go through a steel cable. All of a sudden, he bumped into the fence. Ouch. What's the matter? No fence. Hey, where are you? No, stand still, will you? It's dark. Shut up. Listen for a minute. Hear anything? No. No? See anything? No? Look. What? The dome over there. You see somebody? No. Them two big windows up there. But that big round dome looks like somebody watching us. It sure does. Now cut it out. I'm going to try the fence with the cutters. What the flashlight? I wish we what? Yeah, forget it. I just don't like that place. Though. Now, get out of the way. Once not you help you? Just keep out of the way. Wait. Hear anything? Well, that wire made enough noise to... All right, all right. I'll try another strand. Now, see if you can slide under there, one of you. Me. here okay. No, can't make it yet. I'll try another I'll look out for your arm there. Now try. Uh, wait till I take off my coat. All right. Now, let's see. Oh, how about it? He's through. All right. Go ahead. Me? You. All right. Cut another strand here. Can I make it now? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah. Where are you all doing? Right here. Come on, Joe. Hey, drive the briefcase and first. Coming up. Got him. Got him. Here I come. All set? All set. I'm all set. I'm as all set as I ever will be, I figure. I don't like any part of this place. I don't like the dark. I don't like the stars up above us. I don't like the lights down below. I don't like the silence. I don't like climbing around the top of a mountain with nothing under me but thin air for a mile or more. All I can hear is Hugh and Aldo in front of me cracking through the weeds, cursing when one, one of them whacks his shin against a sharp rock. See. And all I can see is two black shapes in front of me. A blacker shape, that's the building, the little house with nothing in it. Aldo and Hugh are panting. 6,800 feet, you know. Your breath is pretty short. It's tough going, especially when you're dragging a briefcase full of money, too. You're scared. And Sweating and tired. And then all of a sudden, we're under the building. Alongside one of the struts that hold up the little trestle. Boost me up, Aldo. Aldo boosts him up. He was a little guy. He's spry. A lot spryer than I am up there a mile in the air. And I guess he's not as scared as I am. So I look up and he's sprawling on the trestle with nine million stars behind him. Reaching down to me. had my hand, Ross. I scrambled up. I never know how I made it either. There we are, and in a second Aldo's up there with us. Now, keep quiet a minute and rest. I'm knocked out. No yeah. You yeah. hear, hear anything, Duke? Just the wind. Russ. I uh, no, I thought I heard something. Guess it's just the wind. Yeah. little trestle we followed them stumbling over the planks and there was the door we rattled the bar on it it was padlocked so you took the big cutters and you wrenched away at the bar we shivered there in the cold waiting to see if anybody hurt us there wasn't a the sound oh. so you tried again Bar fell off. Well, we kept still for another minute. And then open the door. Hey, where's the flashlight? Wait. Ah, nobody can see us. Put your fingers over it and turn it out turn it in there. Okay. I don't see anything. Well, the guy said there was nothing in there. I can't see a thing. Open up the light a little more. I got it open. Oh, black in there something the matter with the light. Oh, no, there ain't. Look. Turn that light off me. Well, look now when I shine it in sight. Nothing. Well, there's got to be something in there. Nothing, the man said. Can't even see the floor. Well, I'll find out if there's anything in there. No, don't go in. You can't tell what's liable to be. Well, look out. I'll toss a briefcase in. No, no. Throw the wire cutters in. Well, where are they? Here. For the lover might look <laughs> out, will you? Keep still. To wake up the dead. Well, nobody heard us, I guess. they shot with luck tonight. No kidding. I'll give you them cutters. Yeah. Uh, here. And shine the light in there. You sure can't see anything, can you? Come in. You get out of the doorway. Keep the light in there. Go ahead. them against the fire wall. All right. Look out. Where'd they go? Tossed them hard enough to bounce... Move the light around. I can't see a thing. I can't either. There ought to be. The light just kind of seems to... Oh, cut it out. There's probably some kind of stuff on the floor. Powdered. Maybe they fell into it. Here, stand to one side, Ross. What are you going to do? I'm going in to look around. You got a gun, Aldo? Just this little too. All right, come on. Ross... You stay here and watch, and listen. I wouldn't go in there, Hugh. Nobody asked you to. I'm going. Come on, Aldo. Listen, Hugh. You've got the screaming memes, too. Come on with that gun. There's nothing in there. Look, Hugh. Come on, let's get out of here. Oh, shut up. Yeah. Might as well take the dough, too. We can stick it in there. Go ahead, Aldo, with the light. You go first. All right. Now stand there and keep your ears. Hey, Hugh. Where are you? can't see him. Listen, Aldo, don't go in there. Yeah, I got to. Hey, Hugh. Hugh. Where are you? Listen, Aldo, keep your eyes and ears open now. We'll be right back. Hey, Hugh. You all right? I'm coming in, Hugh. Hugh. Aldo. What's in there? Hey, Hugh. Okay, Ross. Something's the matter with him.
0: Here I come. Hugh. I'm
2: going to Hugh. Hugh. Hey, Aldo. Hey, what's in there, you two? Hugh. I can see you. You can stand up now. They won't come out, I assure you. Awesome. Stand up. I've got a gun. No, you have. Stand up. When my friends come out. They're not coming out, my friend. Stand up. M- you wouldn't believe me when I told you. What's in there? What's in there, I said? I told you there's nothing behind that door. My friends went in there. They're not there now. There's nothing in there. You understand me? There's nothing in there. Listen. No, you listen. I. No, I suppose it's do no good to tell you. Tell me what? I'd better show you. Show me what? Come with me. No. Come with me. I won't. You've got it. Wait. for me. Across the little crescent, away from the door he closed on my friends, through another door, into a long shed in the dark. And I was glad I couldn't see the stars. Out another door at the end of the shed, on the path, past the seal staff, reaching up into the sky, shining in the starlight. Looking like one of those visitors from Mars you heard about on the radio. Across the little wooden bridge with the two eyes of the hundred-inch dome staring down at me in a cold wind coming up the other side of the mountain. Up the ramp. Into the dome itself. the iron stairs. Follow me. A little yellow light at the head of the stairs and then out on a catwalk in the dark with a flow of 40 feet below us. Up another ladder. My legs are getting tired. Up. Follow me. Up another dizzy ladder. And another. And across another spidery walk. Here. Sit in this seat. Floor. I can't sit, touch it. Sit still, you won't fall. What did... What sit did... still, I said. You'll have to be sure. Wait. Magnetic destination. You can look now. Look? At what? what? Look through the telescope. No. Look, son. What do you see? Stars. Millions of stars. Wait. Look again. What do you see? Nothing. Nothing. What? Now? Stars again. Millions. No, a black cloud. Now? That nothing you see is a million light years away. What is it? There's nothing there to see. My friend, there are scores of places in this universe where there's nothing. Far places near places. Do you understand what I mean? Is, Is that what you meant when you said... When I said there's nothing behind that door? Yes. Where... Your friends, your misguided friends. I don't know. Perhaps. Take your eye from the telescope. Wait. Look now, if you dare. Or well, what? Look. Guess what I saw clawing through black clouds of nothing? You guess what eyes I saw? I saw nothing. Yes, the little house is still there on Mount Wilson. You can go look at it if you want to. But don't go too close. Maybe somebody will tell you it's just a place where they store equipment. Maybe. Why do they keep the door locked then? Well, just one other thing. Don't you go around opening doors you don't know anything about. There might be nothing behind one of them. You've just heard Quiet, Please. Which is written and directed by Willis Cooper. The man who talked to you is Ernest Chappell. And the man who played Aldo Minucci is Martin Lawrence. Pat O'Malley was Hugh Grant and James Van Dyke, the astronomer. The music was composed and played by Gene Perazzo. And now for a word about Quiet, Please, for next week, here is our writer-producer, Willis Cooper. Bill? I've written what I think is an exciting and unusual love story for next week, Chappie. You're welcome as our guest, the charming star of stage and radio, Claudia Morgan. Quiet, please, for next week. It's entitled, I've Been Looking for You. Until next week, then, quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. <laughs> is the Mutual Broadcasting System. The Mutual Broadcasting System presents the second of a series of unusual dramatic stories written and directed by Willis Cooper and featuring Ernest Chappell. In this week's story, I have been looking for you, we have as our guest the star of stage and radio, Miss Claudia Morgan. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. This story is entitled, I Have Been Looking For You. I have been looking for you. Your name? I do not know your name. Perhaps you are Anaitis, or Lydia, or Bernice. You are Mary, or Alice, or plain Jane. You are Mercedes Libushka where are you, love? I heard your voice when I was a child, when I was new in school, when I was a tender lad, unknowing. I heard your voice as I passed the schoolroom door.
1: Seven times seven are 49. Eight times seven are 56. Nine times seven are
2: 63. But I pushed the door ajar and looked. And there was only a schoolroom full of children and a teacher at a desk. The cadence of your childish voice hung in the sunny air in the schoolroom, but I couldn't find you. And wondering, dreaming, I closed the door and went my way on to the confusion of another schoolroom. But your voice was with me, and I have not forgotten. Many times I heard your voice, love, as I grew older. There were other girls in my boyhood, Sweet, clean-limbed girls I remember now through the years. Helen with the yellow curls. Gladys, the tomboy on her bicycle. Paula in the library. Kate, Dorothy, And Jenna, and crippled Margaret. Then my playmates taunted me because I had no girl of my own. But I smiled a secret smile as I turned away and walked homeward along the elm shadowed, the flower sweet sweets at night, for always you were somewhere. And I knew I should find you one day, somewhere. How many years have passed this long? How many summers? How many yesterdays? How many heartbeats? But I knew that I should find you. I saw you at a distance sometimes, a gay red bathing suit on a beach, a fluttering tartan scarf on the winter hillsides against the snow. But when I ran to greet you and call you mine, you were gone. You had vanished. A day came when I was a young man and went away to make my fortune. My heart ached as the little station grew smaller in the rapid distance, for I knew I saw you there waving farewell. Was it to me... And I thought frantically of leaping from the train and returning. But a cloud of dust swirled up behind the train. And when it was gone, you had vanished. There was another glimpse of you, I thought, as the train roared through another little town and a gay crowd on the station platform waved and called. And I knew then. I knew that wherever I should go, you would be awful. And tears came to my eyes as I thought perhaps I should never see your face, but always follow you, and never meet. You. Yes, I was young for love, but I loved you then as I loved you that first day, seven in
1: times seven.
2: and as I love you now, but I have.
1: I knew you followed me. I heard your footsteps down the summer dark street, with the flickering old streetlights scattering shadows into the lilac bushes. And the scent of the lilacs has brought you back to me so many times. Why have I never seen your face, Or have I? Tell me. I love you. I've seen your shadow past my window. I've heard the distant echo of your voice. And you were always me. My dreams have seen you, but you evade my seeking eyes. Do you remember a wide white beach on a day? And the high white clouds? And you were alone? And I was alone. I remember. I remember. I conjured you up out of the sound of the waves and the sand, and the rhythm of the surf, was the beating of my heart,
2: and the sound of the wind in the dunes was your far-off laughter that I heard. And
1: I ran along the beach searching for you, and your presence was strong in my heart, and I cried out. I was heart sick. Then I was afraid. I swam far out into the remorseless waves. Came you. I became weary and hopeless for you. And the waves caught me and they bore me down. Then I dreamed of strong arms about me, and I opened my eyes to the sun and breathed again. And the salt on my lips, I thought, was not the salt of the sea, but the sting of a fading kiss. But you were gone. Then I knew my life was yours. And I was very happy for a little while. And very happy. Where did you go,
2: I dreamed of you in the sea. I dreamed that you were struggling. And I dreamed that I swam out to you. And took you in my arms and brought you to the shore. And I kissed you. But there was darkness somewhere. Darkness that hid your face from me. And when I awoke, I too felt the salt of your lips on mine. Was I never to see you? Never to hold you in my arms in life? I sought to forget you. You must forgive me that. I thought that my mind was sick, that I dreamed in my waking hours. But which was the dream? And which reality? And how could I escape the vision? Always I was haunted, tortured by the thought that you were near me, around the corner, waiting perhaps with a smile of welcome when I should find you. Do you remember? You
1: must. Remember. I remember. When did you walk down an avenue no? The lights were golden from the windows and and the bells chimed softly in the twilight. The streets were filled with cheerful people hurrying happily in the white darkness. And I was not until you them past me a dim shape in a swirling snowflake. And I followed you until you disappeared in the storm. The cheerful, flat laughter of the people on the street mocked me again. Is foolishness, There's no one. I am alone. We shall never find each other. When I wept in my sleep that night, it was your hand that wiped away my friend.
2: I dreamed of a woman beacon, and I kissed her eyelids as
1: she said. You went away.
2: We were new to the war that Christmas season, and even as the reluctant bells rang in a new year, I went away. I remember the gloomy cold station. I remember the unhappy sergeant shepherding two dozen motley civilians away from the lights of the city to the drafty cars that were circus the somewhere. There were a few to see us off at New Year's Eve, a policeman who watched us silently as he straggled across the platform, and an old man who offered us his bottle and mumbled of his days at the wars of Siboney and San Juan and the girl he left behind him. And a group of related commuters, turning away from us to study the blackboard, the train arrived at the top. And as they closed the doors of the coaches, a fat woman, pounding on the window, mouthing frantic goodbyes to a little man who turned away from when our train began to move from the station, a glimpse of a woman standing alone under a dusty electric light on the platform. And then I knew, as I remembered once before, that I could never wholly go away from you, that we belonged to each other, though I might never see your face. I was close to death many times in the war. At ring Pass when John Sutherland and I were alone one night with Rommel's armor on to the other side of the hill we a watch. And at last we knew they were coming and one of us would stay while the other went back in the darkness with a message. I was afraid to stay. So I argued with John in the petty pride of my terror, saying I would stay while he should go back to what might mean safety But he was tired, he said. And I was not. And he would stay. And so I went. Then twenty steps away from him I heard the eighty-eight that smashed in his mouth.
1: I spoke to him and told him to stay.
2: And I was wounded afterwards. That night I lay in the hospital tent and something happened. And I knew I should die. I had no voice to call. And in the last darkness before my senses went, a nurse came hurrying to my side. It was you I told but when morning came, I saw the same familiar nurse I'd known for days.
1: She was asleep and I awakened her.
2: Did you watch over me all those years? Was it your voice I sometimes heard in a still night? Have you loved me so as I have loved you? What must we do? I have been looking for you for so long. But such a time went by such a long, weary time since I came home. Where were you, love? There was one moment. I was standing on the deck when our transport came up the bay. I was looking for you. There were hundreds of boats around us, boats with great painted signs welcoming some of us home. And there was none for me. But I hoped that perhaps among all those who had come to meet their men in the harbor there might. be. We were past the Statue of Liberty, nosing over to the North River where we were to dock. And the ferry boat from Jersey cut across our bows. I merely glanced at it, and I saw you. That was a happy homecoming. But when I came back to New York, when I took off my uniform and went to work again... You were gone. I searched for you. I looked for you everywhere. Where were you? What had happened? Two years went by.
1: I saw you, love. They said in the hospital that I would never get well. I heard the doctors talking. And at night, sometimes I talk to you. But I knew you didn't hear me. The cord was broken. I couldn't reach you. I saw you many
2: times. I had buried myself in my work, they said. Whatever the work was, I forgot. I'd forgotten everything except that I loved you. And I tried to forget that. Well, for I was afraid that you were gone from me forever. And I should never see you, never hear your voice again, never know your nearness as I have grown to know. I tried to lose the thought of you among seven millions of people, among the high buildings and in the sounds of the city around me, and I almost succeeded. But then I saw you. Do you remember where I saw you? In the very center of the town, surrounded by men and women of a hundred races. In the midst of a babble of sound, in the midst of hysterical, never-ending motion, in colors and darkness and flashing, searing light. It was a summer evening, hot and humid. and the threat of lightning and sullen thunder in the clouds that towered over the Jersey High. And the voice of the storm quickened, rumbling over the squalling sound of the city and the lightning crackled in the west. I was on my way home after a sodden day in the tiny office above Times Square, one of the beaten, hungry millions at the end of a colorless, unhappy day. In the subway, the crowds, and the guards pushing the milling crowds into the airless stuffy cars, the trains starting far underground where only blind animals should live.
0: Bodies pressed against
2: feverish bodies, tired eyes looking inwardly toward the comforts of home and cool drinks and blessed rest. And outside the windows, walls too close, sweating and dank with moisture the sudden flash of stations as we roar through them more and more speed, bodies swaying against bodies, suffocation, and the sudden fear that comes like a clutching nightmare deep underground. We're going too fast!
1: <laughs>
2: Streams of blue sparks outside the open windows, the acrid smell of burning rubber, swift panic clutching hands, futile fists beating screaming faces, the scream of tortured brakes, lights flickering and dying, and in the last seconds before the crash... <laughs> You. I saw you. I had turned, I remember, to escape a man's fingers clawing at my eyes. I saw you, inches away from me, yet a continent away. Blonde hair rippling in the fetid breeze, red lips apart, not in fear but in rapt excitement, almost smiling. I shouted your name. Did I know your name? And then... Darkness. You knew, didn't you? You saved my life, but you said said you turned your head just as the crash came. Yes, I turned my head to look at you. The steel rod just grazed your forehead. If you hadn't turned your head... I looked at you. Providential, young man. It was you. (laughs)
1: I knew you were there. Among all the scores of frightened, screaming men and women, I knew you were there. And I saw you. In the last flickering of the light, I saw you. And then you were gone. Forever, I thought. I thought you died in the subway wreck. For long months, you were dead, Dean. My mind refused to think of you. I couldn't picture your face again. But now I know I was near you many times. I entered a restaurant as you left it.
2: I left the elevator at the 14th floor one day.
1: I got on at the 15th.
2: I turned to look in a shop window as you passed by.
1: I picked up a book at Ventana's that you just laid down and I knew I could...
2: And the bus driver gave me change that had come from your purse, and I knew. You
1: sat behind me at a last eight months at Carnegie Hall in I dreamed that night.
2: The telephone booth at Grand Central, your perfume still was there. <laughs> all those long months, years. There were long times when I never saw you. Times I'm afraid when I all but forgot you. And then I'd see a picture in the street. A happy group celebrating something at sunlight some And there you were. There was your face, dim and smudged with ink, half turned away from me in the background. And I was off again. Off to walks in the park, hoping to hear footsteps that had grown familiar through the long years. Off to a pub crawl along Third Avenue, drinking at King Costello's and P.J. Fox listening to the cadence of a voice that might somehow be there. And off on the top of a fifth avenue bus, off on a step Island ferry, or an expedition through the theater crowds at certain times. Ah, oh, my love, I have looked for you. I said I never knew your name. I'd lay awake night, I go over all the girl's names I ever heard of. Alice, Father. Doris, Elizabeth, Francis, down through... I'd make resolutions to forget. I went out with other girls. But I found myself becoming bored with other girls. I looked for you and them, and I became short of speech and quarrelsome, and no girl ever went out with me And I kept to myself more and more more and more times in Central Park, till the very ice cream vendors greeted me as an old acquaintance. And more and more times along Fifth Avenue, late at night, up past the Cathedral, down past the Empire Center. Hoping, listening, peering anxiously at every woman I went away on long trips by myself to escape the thought of you and heard your distant laughter. I thought I saw you framed in the window of a train that passed mine, going in the other direction. I didn't sleep much. Nights, I came home as late as I could, staggering I, could see. I closed the door and shut the city out. I was afraid to sleep. I was afraid of the dream. The dream that came so often. An empty room. Dark, high walls. A little flight of stairs leading to an open door. And beyond the door a dazzling light. And silence. And the light draws me to the flight of steps in the open door. My voice echoes in the silence of the gloomy room.
0: Where are you, love? Where are you?
1: I'm here, love.
2: You are there, beyond the door. In the room where the light shines. Your shadow falls across the flight of steps. You are only 20 paces away. I move toward the door. One seat. Two seat. Three. And the carpet approaches me. Your voice. A... Is that a hand? Sure. I turn to see. You. The room is empty. Another step. I can go no farther. I struggle, but there is something that holds me back. And a voice that whispers in my ears. Not yet. Not yet. I fight against the force that holds me, but I cannot move. What is beyond the door where the light is? Do you wait for me? Why cannot I reach you? come to me, I cannot move. I
0: call you. Help me. Come to me.
2: Oh, then, with the sound of a great dawn in my ears, I awake trembling in Vienna. I lie awake till the gray dawn falls through the wind. The
1: dream came to me. great bright room, the light that dazzles my eyes. I cannot move. The door that leads to darkness. And footsteps beyond the door, and I'm frightened, until I hear your voice.
0: Where are you,
1: love? And I am. And then I know your voice coming to me from the darkness and the light, that's but the footsteps end. And The light burned
2: my eyelids. And the great gong. And... My hand was on the very lintel of the door. And the radiance of the light within struck my eyes and blinded me. And again I awoke, trembling. Did this mean that I was soon to find you? Am I to see? To hold you in my arms? What shall I do I slept a little, and the dream did not return. It was raining when I awoke, a quiet sun had rain, and the light in the street was the color of the light in the room beyond the door. Is that a sign? Is this the day?
1: I dreamed of a voice that I knew. I asked him to come to me. Is this the death? Is the dream a message from I knew to this is the dance? I dress hastily, and I see that it's already 8 o'clock. Perhaps I shall meet everybody. I shall wear my new scarlet raincoat. I'll know him when I see him. You know me. Outdoors. Rain. Good luck, a taxi cab. Shall I meet him today?
2: Who says the rain is dismal? This is the day. I know this is the day. I shall walk to the office. Who knows, I may meet her on the way I smile at strangers as I stroll through the pelting rain down Madison Avenue. Here is a young couple, lovers. I, too, am a lover. And today I shall meet my beloved. And then the fulfillment of all my dreams from the time my childhood so very long ago. I step down from the curb. 68th Street. Patrick is stopped before the upraised hand of the fleet in the middle of the street. I smile at them. And I do not see the taxicab leaning around the corner against the light, the driver frantically tugging at his wheel. Very slowly, it seems to me, and the cab coming straight at me. And as I looked up, the crew of wheels half a foot from me, you... Dazzling light beyond. Nothing holds me back now. I go forward to the door and the light welcomes me. I know you are there, love. In a moment we shall meet. You. We shall kiss. We shall begin our life together. Shall we not?
1: i right here with you,
2: soon. Yes, indeed, right through here. Now, mind the little stairs. Through the door. Yes, it is bright in here, but have to be able to see very well in here. This is the one. The man that was killed with a taxi cab.
1: No. There's no identification at all. This one? This was the woman, the passenger in the cab. She died of a heart attack at the very instant.
2: No. No identification for her either. Yes, it is strange. Both of them smiling as if they were the happiest people in the world. have listened to I Have Been Looking For You, the second in the series, Quiet Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper. Ernest Chappell was the man who talked to you, and our guest, Claudia Morgan, was the woman. Thank you, Claudia, for being here. Others in the cast were Peggy Stanley, Heath Wayne Gordon, and Martin Wolfson. The music was composed and played by Dean Proctor. And now, for a word about next week's Quietly Story, here is our writer-director, Willis superville For next week, I've written you a fantastic story that I hope may give you the thinks as well as entertainment. Its title is We Were Here First. So, until next week at this time, Quietly Yours, Bernie you. <laughs> This program came from New York. Stay tuned now for a fascinating story of strange events and a common sense explanation on the House of Mystery, which follows in just a moment. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.
0: many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus, but one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.
1: The Mutual Audio Network Listening and Imagining Together.